In Puerto Rico, there's adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the U.S. Get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico and that remind you why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island, it becomes a part of you. No passports required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Josh and I are going on tour again to uh, basically wrap up 2023 on the road in Orlando, Florida first, then Nashville, Tennessee, and then wrapping it up here in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, and you can listen to next Tuesday's episode for details on when we'll be there and where to get tickets and all that stuff. But we just wanted to give you guys a heads up. And if you don't feel like listening to Tuesday's episode, you can still get all of your info at linktree slash SYSK or our website, stuffyoushouldknow.com. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant and here too is Jerry Rowland, if Jerry Rowland exists. And this is stuff you should know. Uh, Can I make a just a quick thank you? Uh, Yeah. Make a thank you? (laughs) Make a way. I meant bake a thank you. Sorry. Sure. Build a thank you. Like a cookie. Uh, I, you know, I mentioned in that one episode that I was going to put pictures of my new uh, podcast studio up. Yes, yeah, and then that sharp. episode came out. Thank you, and I put it up, and everyone was just so nice and sweet. And uh, I just want to say thanks, and also I want to say sorry to you because that post now just supplanted a picture of you and I as my most popular ever post on Instagram. Really, I'm sick of that post. It just passed it today. That picture of uh, when we did our secret mission out to the desert in January was my previous most popular post ever. Mm, mm, okay. But uh, you should have probably taken down this new post just before it topped it. I'm not sure why you didn't. Uh, uh, no, I had a counter. I was like, here it comes. Here it comes. Mm, bet. And then you had like a confetti and a little noisemaker. That's right. And then the picture of us just dissolved. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just aged and turned into mummies in the picture. <laughs> That's right, because it's not reality, right? It isn't reality. Uh, that That's a great segue, Chuck, because I have a question to kick this one off. Sure. Chuck, are you hallucinating right now? <laughs> Unfortunately, no, but philosophers might say that I am. Yeah, not just philosophers, neuroscientists, physicists, um, biologists maybe, evolutionary biologists in particular, especially sure. ones that are hip to this whole thing would say, yeah, you're hallucinating right now, and so are you, Josh, and so are you, Jerry, if you do exist. You're hallucinating every single thing you're looking at, smelling, hearing, touching, that none of this is real. And we're talking today about whether reality is real or not. And there's a very deep, like, mind-blowing aspect to it. Mm -hmm. 
And I feel like that's where a lot of people leave it. It's just like, isn't this the craziest stuff these people are talking about? But there's mm-hmm. more to it than that. And like I've I've realized that in investigating the nature of reality, we mm-hmm. end up learning more about ourselves than we do about reality. And I just find that endlessly fascinating. Welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> Uh, I I know what you mean because this article, and by the way, big shout out to Dave Ruse because yeah. uh, you threw him this topic uh, as if it was just like, hey, do one on elephants. <laughs> and um, it was tough. And Dave even had to take a rare second stab at it uh, because it, it was it's just really hard to nail something like this down. This mm-hmm. sort of, uh, it's hard to not delve into philosophical navel gazing. Right. With stuff like this. And we've covered some philosophy stuff here and there. Sure. And it's always kind of fun. But, you know, my deal with philosophy was I did pretty uh, – I took one class in college and did pretty well in it. I think I made an A or a B. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 the same thing happened in that class as it happens every time we tackle it is I'm lost and then annoyed and then eventually kind of come around and think it's cool and understand it a little bit. So that's where you are with this? Yeah, I think it's like the fifth or sixth time I went through it, I was like, all right, this is actually kind of cool. Whereas before I was like, oh, I hate all this stuff. Of course, everything is, that apple is real. Right. I can see it. I can taste it. But yeah. now I kind of get it. Now you know that you're dead wrong. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, and I want to point out, Dave didn't have to do a second attempt at this. We didn't ask him to, but we had taken so long to get her getting around to doing it. He's like, here, I revised this. Maybe you can do uh, it Is that now. how it went down? Yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I got you. We definitely didn't say like, I no, I was just like, okay, this is, you know, thanks for doing this, Dave, and we'll do it when we can. And he's um, like, I've, I've noticed you haven't recorded yeah, that episode. Very okay. much, very much. So thank you. you to Dave for sure. So yeah. um, people have been thinking about, whether what we think and see and feel is real for a really long time. Um, it's probably one of the first things we ever thought of that mm-hmm. was, you know, kind of deep uh, since we started eating mushrooms and developed the consciousness. Yeah. And as we go through this, you know, it's um, it, it, it makes sense that as we go through it, it's it's kind of in a timeline of different philosophers. And mm-hmm. as we learned more about science, things were tweaked and changed all the way up. And then eventually we end up with some some modern day like TED Talkers uh, or one in particular. Uh, so it kind of makes sense that things would morph and change uh, philosophically over time as we talk about things like, oh, is time even real? Yeah, but if you really look at it, and especially if you're paying attention um, later on as we get more into modern interpretations – they bear mm-hmm. a striking resemblance to some yeah. of the first cracks at explaining whether totally. reality is real to us. Yeah. And one of, one of the first people that we, we know of who really tried to tackle this was Plato. And he came up with a, a very famous allegory um, of the cave mm-hmm. where people are, he calls them prisoners. They're situated in a cave. They're chained mm-hmm. up. They're not able to turn around. So all they can do is face the back wall of the cave. Behind them is a fire. And then... Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other side of the fire, no, (laughs) I already messed it up. Sorry, Plato. Behind them is a fire, and then between them and the fire are people who can move around. They're puppeteers. They can cast shadows Uh from the campfire onto the wall. And all the prisoners have ever experienced are the shadows on the wall. So to them, that's real. Mm -hmm. But in reality, what's actually real are the puppets that the people are showing behind them that they can't see. 
So what they think is real is actually just a simulacrum, like kind of a, a distilled version of the actual reality. And that was Plato's take on the whole thing. Yeah. Like, here's a bunny. This is Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? That, that, but yeah, that, that what we think of as Richard Nixon is a, a distilled form of what actually is Richard Nixon. Yeah. And the key to doing Richard Nixon is in the knuckles. Uh, I used Does to do crack his good. knuckles a lot. No, no, no. I'm talking about uh, shadow puppets. <laughs> uh, the trick is a mayonnaise knuckle. I can. Oh man, uh, I can actually do a few shadow puppets pretty well. Oh, which ones? Which ones? Uh, I can do a. Uh, I just well, one's kind of a, a rabbity gargoyle, and then I can do like an alligator, and I can do a um, some some other long snouted animal with an ear, maybe mm-hmm. a dog. Mm-hmm. Sure, I can do a few things. That's really great, man. I, I used to monkey around with it, and then a few years ago when Ruby was little, there was a light casting, and I was like, hey, check this out. And her mind was blown. I was like, still got it. Yeah. she's um, Where you like, Plato would have loved you, kid. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, who? <laughs> uh, so anyway, Plato basically is saying that um, the material world around us and how we perceive it is not a reliable thing. And what he believed in as the truth is something he called forms – uh, or maybe ideas, but we're going to use the word form as we move forward into Aristotle. Yeah. As Dave puts it, that our perceived reality, according to Plato, is just the shadow of an objective higher truth. Makes sense. Yes. But what he's saying is what we said, what you're like, what's in front of you, Richard Nixon, your apple, it's not mm-hmm. actually real. It's just a version of that. And along came Aristotle, who yeah. was a contemporary of Plato. Um, I think he learned directly from Plato, if I'm not mistaken. But in this case, he disagreed with Plato. He said, Plato, you're kind of on the right track, but these things are not totally separate in the way that a shadow is not truly related to the object that's casting the shadow. It's something detached from it. These things are attached. Like, yes, there's an actual, objective, real form Mm-hmm. But the thing that we perceive is somehow tied to it, and it's tied to it through what Aristotle called forms. So forms were in a human, our soul, whereas the organic body is the matter. So you have matter and forms. Yeah, and, you know, eventually science would come to the picture slowly. Uh, so if we go, a, you know, a few centuries ahead in time, the, the nature of reality and truth as people knew it started to change. Mm-hmm. Once science started saying, you're kind of wrong about a lot of stuff. And a good example Dave gives here is, you know, we thought the Earth was the center of the universe for a long time. Uh, Astronomy comes along and math comes along and says, no, that's actually not true. Mm -hmm. So now there's actually um, a basis for saying, hey, what you think is true and what you think is reality might not actually be the case. And we're starting to prove that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Galileo steps in, and this is in the... I guess the 17th and 16th and 17th centuries. And he comes along basically and says, and this is an actual quote, I think that tastes, odors, colors, and so on are no more than mere names so far as the object in which we place them is concerned, that they reside only in the consciousness. Hence, if we living creatures were removed, all these qualities would be wiped away and annihilated. Mm-hmm. Meaning, in other words, and this is something we're going to kind of repeat here and there, it's kind of like if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? Uh, what Galileo is saying is it's only because we've assigned these things color and odor and taste 
that they have color and odor and taste. Right. They don't inherently possess these objects. Something exists, but it doesn't exist in the form that we perceive it as. It's probably far more complex. That's right. Or at the very least, different. What's interesting is um, that quote could have been written by anyone today researching that. Like, that's a very contemporary understanding of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that was Galileo back in the 16th and 17th century. It's pretty cool. Um, John Locke was the next one to really kind of contribute to it. And what he came up with was similar to Plato and Aristotle's take. He said that um, there are – everything has um, two types of qualities. Primary qualities, which is the actual objective reality of the thing. Um, An apple just for some reason keeps – it's the easiest example for some reason. But an apple has – um, it has a f- uh, form. It has like size. It has shape. It has bulk to it. Uh, it cannot move. That's a big um, primary uh, characteristic of it. Like f- the the apple itself isn't inherently red. There's mm-hmm. a certain arrangement of electrons inside the apple skin, or that make up the apple skin, that absorb some kinds of of wavelengths of light and reflect back the red wavelength of light, and that's what we see that hits our eye. But that doesn't mean that the apple itself is red in any way whatsoever. It's just that's what we perceive. Yeah, it doesn't even hit our eye. It hits the receptors in our eye, those rods and cones. Yep. And it just sends dumb data messages to our smart brain. Right, right. But then there's secondary qualities, um, things like its, its taste, its color, shininess, and that the secondary qualities are the things that we lay on top of it, that that's our right. perception, but that if you took away our perception, what would be left are the size, the bulk, the inability of the apple to move. Those things are objective and unchanging. Yeah, and he labeled those. Uh, one was called extension, and that's the fact that it, it just takes up physical space in a place. Uh, and then permanence, it does that in a, at a specific time, so it exists in time. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is it, uh, it interacts with other objects, and he called that causal powers. Um, and that can be anything from just the air around it to the desk that it's sitting on or whatever. Sure. Which are also constructs. Yes, we'll get to that. Um, And then I think the last contributor to the historical understanding of reality, at least one of the big name, big shot ones, Mm -hmm. was Immanuel Kant. Mm -hmm. He um, was a German mathematician philosopher from the Enlightenment era, I believe, yeah. And he, he basically, he wasn't so much after like, okay, what is the nature of reality? His, his question was even more basic than that. It was, yeah. can we even possibly perceive actual reality? And after thinking about it, thinking about it, really kind of ho-humming on it for a little bit, he said, no, no, I don't believe we ever possibly can. And that forms the basis for the, the modern um, exploration of reality. Yeah, he was one of those that pushed it even further and said, all right, so I'm digging what you're saying, that that, that red apple, that color uh, isn't really real and the shape isn't really real. So, Locke, what you were saying about these uh, pri- primary qualities even, that it exists in time and space, like, dude, that is in your head as well. Hmm. Like, those don't even exist. They exist in our minds. And so we can't even conceive of anything. We can't know really anything. Yeah, he went so so far as to say like science and math, which describes the basic laws of the universe quite accurately. These are constructs themselves. Like what we're actually describing 
are hallucinations that we all share in common. Mm -hmm. Or he called them appearances. Yeah. He, and in fact, he called science and math appearances of appearances. <laughs> and he was saying, like, there's, we're never going to be able to figure this out. And luckily, Kant was wrong because we do seem to be kind of on a track to figuring things out a little more. All right. Man, that was a, a robust, like, 13 minutes, I think. I think so, too. So let's take a break. And we'll be right back. Stuff you should know. Josh and Chuck. Stuff you should know. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. That's right. It's even in the name. Use code STUFF20 at checkout to receive $20 off your first month. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Yep. Again, use promo code STUFF20 and you'll receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. <laughs> Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Okay, so uh, we've been kind of teasing it, and I think just probably saying it outright, too. Um, mm -hmm. Some of these early philosophers really kind of hit the nail on the head as far as our current understanding goes. And one of the big contributions, or one of the big contributors of the 20th and especially 21st century to um, exploring what the basis of reality is, um, mm -hmm. was neuroscience. Neuroscience has said, okay, well, wait a minute. There's, a, there's something that, that um, we all need to, to kind of explore. If mm -hmm. all of this is just in our minds, which is what's, what's suggested, we have ways of looking into the mind. So let's figure out what's actually going on. 
Yeah, and this, you know, I realize that as I have had problems with some deep philosophical things like this, listeners to some of this stuff might, like, it's not for everyone, you know what I mean? Sure. So, like, I get it if some people are listening and being like, wait a minute, what are you even talking about when we say things like our eyes don't see and our ears don't hear? Mm-hmm. But we're going to explain it in a sciencey way that I think grounds it, uh, as others have before us. This is not like our ideas. Right. But it is true that our eyes don't actually really see and our tongues don't actually taste. What we have is a is a system, uh, which is our body and our brain working together. So we have all these receptors that um, capture this data, basically, mm-hmm. and we send it to the brain, the, which is, and we're going to reiterate this too, the brain is does great work, but the brain is inside the skull. It's it's trapped in there. The brain isn't eyes and ears and, and tongue and stuff like that. Right. It just works with whatever sensory data is sent to it from those receptors, from those organs, mm-hmm. and says, all right, here's uh Here's what I think is going on in a way that will make sense to you walking around in the world. Yeah, and that's what produces our conscious experience. That yeah. translation of electromagnetic waves and acoustic waves just hitting like our raw I, the way that, the way that I got this finally was to start thinking of our eyes and ears and tongues like um antenna on a bug. Yeah. Same yeah. thing, right? And that that the brain just puts all that sensory information together. And one of the ways that we've we've shown, like indisputably, that this happens, are through optical illusions. There's yeah. so many optical illusions out there. One of the most famous are is the um, checkerboard, where there's like a cylinder casting a shadow across the checkerboard, and there's mm-hmm. like gray gray squares and, and white squares. And um, if you link these two squares together, you realize they're actually the same color. It's just the brain is it sees a shadow being cast. So it's darkening one of those squares where really it's the exact same color. And so what neuroscience did was to step up and say, okay, let's investigate exactly where this weird um, illusion is happening. And what they found that in cases of visual illusions, optical Mm -hmm. illusions, the eyes are sending the correct data. They're seeing the illusion for what it is. They can see that those those checkerboards are the same color. It's when it gets transferred to the frontal lobe and the frontal lobe starts putting together a picture of reality based on past experience and physical laws and things like that. It says, no, that's not possible. This is actually two different colors and produces the illusion in our conscious experience. Yeah. And they've they've like shown this with the the wonder machine, with the fMRI machine mm-hmm. and experiments. Uh, it's literally just the brain saying, well, that ain't right, so I'm going to tell you that it, it's this based on everything that you've ever seen in your life that really makes sense. Right, and so the, the upshot of all that is we see, we can demonstrate that the brain does not give us any sort of accurate picture of reality. It gives us a rough sketch, a good enough sketch of reality mm-hmm. to allow us to navigate the universe. So we know for a fact that what we see and perceive is not actual reality. The question mm-hmm. then becomes is just how removed from actual reality is our conscious experience as human beings? Yeah. And you know what? I haven't um, gone through it yet, but we have an upcoming episode at some point that I've been avoiding on stereograms, mm-hmm. uh, the the hidden eye pictures that were such a big deal in the 90s. So big. And I'm sure that all of this stuff is in there because that's kind of what you're talking about or what we're talking about here, right? Yeah. Yeah. The frontal lobe taking 
um, perfectly good, legitimate information and putting it together in wacky ways. And yeah, yeah. I would guess that's, that would be the basis of a stereogram too. Yeah, there's a sailboat there. You don't see it? Look harder. Yeah, there's the Tasmanian devil. Did you ever see a Tasman? I don't know <laughs> if I'm great. just imagining that because he was huge at the same time, but I'm sure there was a Tasmanian devil stereogram. Or was it a mud flap of the Tasmanian devil and it said back off? <laughs> that was Yosemite Sam. <laughs> oh, that's right. Remember he had the two guns kind yes, of pointing at you a little bit? I even had him in my brain, but, you know, is that is that even real? Very nice, Chuck. Okay, okay. Um, so here's, to me, where it gets really, really interesting. We've sort of laid the groundwork. Uh, it all makes sense to me. Hopefully, hopefully it's making sense to, to listeners. I feel like, uh, yeah, we've been laying it down pretty clearly. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but here's where it gets interesting to me, because why is this happening? Um, and the reason is, like, what you have to do is, you have to, you don't have to, but it's very beneficial, I think, to look at almost everything that we are able to do through a lens of evolution and natural selection. So, like, there has to be, because in that lies a fundamental reason why your brain is doing this. There has to be a reason why this is happening and it turns out, when you look at it through that lens, it makes sense. And, like, I don't know if this is, uh, I mean, this is still philosophical stuff, but, like, it all makes total sense to me. Yeah, the basis of any time you bring evolution or natural selection into the picture, you're basically saying, okay, whatever whatever's going on actually improves our chances of survival. Yeah. So there's a psychologist from, I think you see Berkeley, don't quote me on that, um, his name's Donald Hoffman. And he uh, is one of the, I guess, leading researchers into the nature of reality right now. And his hypotheses seem to be pretty au courant, right? I, I bet it's Berkeley. It's got to be. It's got to be. <laughs> the basis of his interpretation is that we see a rough sketch of the world around us because that's that's the the version of reality that is most likely to allow us to survive or was over the millions of years of our evolution to this point. By the way, he's from UC Irvine. Oh, so close. Not a, it seemed very much like a Berkeley kind of thing to do. For sure. Irvine, who knew? At least I didn't um, say Davis. <laughs> or, uh, or San Berdue. I didn't even want to bring that up. <laughs> Uh, what was the last thing you said? I'm sorry. I said that he was saying, like, the, the reason that we have a rough sketch of reality is because mm -hmm. natural selection has said that's the, that is the version of reality that will keep humans alive most likely. Right. Okay. So you have to remember what we said earlier because this all, you know, ties together is that uh, we got to reiterate the brain is, is in its skull. Mm -hmm. um, it is only receiving these messages that it's given mm -hmm. from these receptors. Uh, evolution is the same thing. Evolution is also blind in a sense. Um, natural selection isn't um, uh, favoring one thing over another mm -hmm. uh, to try to get what's accurate as far as reality goes. Right. The, it's it's unbiased. Natural selection is only going to favor the reality that's going to give you that chance to survive. Mm -hmm. And this is the point where I got fairly confused, but then it all came back around with the desktop analogy but I do have to admit, this before the, the, the desktop thing, I was pretty lost right here and well, still sort of am. Okay, so one of the um, examples that I've seen uh, Hoffman use to describe what he's talking about at this point 
is um, let's say we had developed the ability to see oxygen or levels mm -hmm. of uh, concentrations of oxygen in the air, right? Okay. We need yeah. oxygen to breathe. So in his example, um, the greener the air, the more oxygen there is. The redder the air, the less oxygen there is, right? Mm -hmm. So if we had just been gifted with a, a view of the actual reality, so we saw the gradient that was present in any given parcel of air that we were standing around, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that we know what gradient we want or that will help us survive. Mm -hmm. Instead, what we were gifted with in this analogy was the ability to see red and stay away from that because it will kill us or green and go to that because that was the kind of that was the amount of oxygen that we know we need to survive. Right. We don't know how much oxygen is in the air. And as far mm -hmm. as natural natural selection is concerned, it doesn't matter if we know how much oxygen is in the air. We just need to know that. That green air is where we want to be. The red air is where we want to stay away from. Or back to the apple example, we know that the red apple is the one we want to eat. The, the black rotted apple is the one we want to stay right. away from. Uh -huh. the, but then you have to take it back to the beginning. The apple's not actually red. So right. somewhere along the way, our brains and natural selection got together to allow us to see colors and because we could see colors, that was the way we began to interact with the world. Because we can taste things, that's the way we interact with the world. There are plenty of other ways to interact with the world. There are plenty of things that we're missing about the world because we only have these particular five senses. But that's mm -hmm. all humans needed to survive as a species. That's why we don't see the full picture of reality. You did it. Thank God. Because that is, is that the hardest part for sure. It, it, that's the part that kept breaking my brain. You were you were, you had that oxygen thing in your hip pocket. You didn't let me know about that. So I did, my friend. I sent it to you. You did? Uh huh. Yeah, you but it was in a flurry of, of emails for sure. So I did. It, it was behind the curtain, everyone. There's there's always a few things leading up to an episode here and there mm -hmm. uh, that we try to lock in early as possible. But this one was just like, oh, and I think this and probably this will help. <laughs> right, uh, right. It was it was kind of like akin to like as someone is shoving us out on stage. They're like, and just remember, guys, this is the key to it all. <laughs> right. They shove us out on stage, but they make sure to flash that shepherd's hook <laughs> that they've gotten the ready if we screw That's up. That's right. Uh, all right. So I get that now. Um, now we're going to talk about what I mentioned before, which really brings it home in a, in a very understandable way, is the desktop analogy. I'm yeah. having a hard time saying that for some reason. And this is Hoffman again mm -hmm. from Irvine and uh, by way of Berkeley. And here's the analogy. All you have to do is look at your laptop and, and your desktop screen, and you've got icons all over it. You've got those uh, those blue folders that have all the the things that might have like uh, a word document or a or an MP3 file or whatever's on your desktop. Ooh, an MP3 file. Did you get it off <laughs> Napster? I did. Our MP3 is not even a thing anymore. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't What's think they the call them MP3. I don't even know what are they now. I think they just call them songs. Okay, I just listen to music. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so here's the deal. You, you see all that stuff. You know that you're supposed to click on that blue folder and click on that Word document if you want to get your Word file up. Mm -hmm. But all that stuff is just a, a user interface, a graphical user interface that, that we know how to interact with. What's really going on is there's a, a, a system in the guts of that computer that is hard at work with ones and zeros but we wouldn't know how to make heads or tails of that stuff if we didn't have these icons that represented the things that we want to interact with on that desktop. And those icons, my friends, 
is the same thing as that apple on the desk. The apple is an icon the same way as that blue folder on your desktop is an icon. It's just something that we have assigned so that we can interact with it. Yeah, because we couldn't possibly get done what we want to get done by interacting with real reality. It's not how we see things. We see things as uh, like shadows on the cave wall, right? Mm -hmm. I love the desktop analogy. Man. There's another part of that desktop icon analogy, too, that's a consequence of, of this whole hypothesis, right? Mm -hmm. And that is when you turn your computer off, that folder icon ceases mm -hmm. to exist. It doesn't yeah. keep running in the background. It's gone. It does not exist. The circuitry, the software, the operating system that produces that desktop icon, that continues to exist. And when you turn the computer back on, the icon exists again. But in the meantime, it, it ceases to exist. And that is analogous to this interpretation of reality, that when you stop looking at an apple, that apple ceases to exist. The thing that produces that apple, whether it's some grand circuitry that we're unaware of that actually that's actually base reality, or it's some data combined with a simple algorithm that, that mm -hmm. produces our experience of reality, whatever produces it is still there, just like the circuitry and the operating system in the computer is still there. But the Apple doesn't exist any longer because there's no human around to experience it because apples only exist the way we see them in the reality that humans experience. That's the only place they exist. Uh, by the way, you said operating system... I think we call that an OS now. Sorry, Mr. MP3. <laughs> uh, by the way, we should totally have T-shirts that say stuff you should know on the front and on the back. It just says everything is an icon. Hmm. I think that's a great idea. But not, well, that might be confusing, though. They might think they mean icon is in uh, an iconoclast. Well, we could put in parentheses, listen to the reality episode, and you'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then we'll put OK question mark <laughs> because we don't want to boss anybody around. So if you were confused uh, by what you were, uh, what Josh was just talking about, um, we have to look at it again through that lens of natural selection and evolution uh, because our brains have, uh, you know, let's, let's talk about the apple again. Our brains evolved to see that color, like you said, as something that is ripe and delicious and that will give us nutrition to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. uh, but our brains, like, weren't evolving in isolation. Everything else was evolving along with it, including that apple. And that apple evolved to be red so we would eat it and eventually spread those seeds so it could survive as well mm -hmm. and grow more apples. So evolution itself is that desktop. Right. That's what created that desktop. It's not our brains just... Like, we just came up with this kind of thing. It was like working in conjunction with evolution. It's just what we evolved to, to experience. And so in that sense, this, to me, was super reassuring when I realized this. Yeah. That means that um, there's no big mystery. There's no, there's no purposeful veil that, like, God or the universe or somebody cast over us to prevent us from seeing real reality. The mm -hmm. reason we don't see real reality is because we just didn't evolve to see reality that way. We evolved to see reality in a different way. And that, that even though we know that there's other aspects of reality we don't sense, it, it, like that doesn't mean that there's something 
forever beyond our grasp, like Immanuel Kant suggested. I agree. All right, uh, Neo, I think we'll go take the red, the red pill <laughs> or is it the blue pill? I, I always say why not both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll be right back. Stuff you should know. Josh and Chuck. Stuff you should know. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. That's right. It's even in the name. Use code STUFF20 at checkout to receive $20 off your first month. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Yep. Again, use promo code STUFF20 and you'll receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So a uh, quick recap uh, of Hoffman from Irvine, basically saying that like everything that we're perceiving around us is a, a construct from a uh, combined process of these evolutionary forces that are blind working in cooperation with the brain. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, this can be hard to swallow to some people that might sound kind of goofy and ridiculous. Uh, people have come along certainly, um, and this is pre uh um, Hoffman, of course, but people have come along through the years to poo-poo all this. Mm -hmm. uh, great thinkers, even. Uh, someone like Samuel Johnson, he was an essayist in the 18th century and a, and a great writer. Uh, he had it out with uh, a contemporary of his, a philosopher named Bishop uh, Barclay, not Berkeley, from UC Berkeley. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, he was basically like, dude, you can't tell me that uh, these things don't exist outside of the mine. Like, look at this rock right here. And he went and kicked it and said, I refute it thusly. Mm -hmm. In other words, how can you tell me that rock is just a construct of my mind when I just went and kicked it and it made a sound and it was heavy and it hurt my toe? That's where we come back to um, like John Locke and, and Plato and Aristotle and Galileo, mm-hmm. especially getting it right, like basically out of the gate that, yes, these these objects that we interact with in the universe, they have bulk, they have mass, they move or they don't move. They have primary characteristics, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes, if you kick a rock, apparently mass is part of the rock's primary characteristic, right? Yeah. Um but say the color of the rock or the shape of the rock or the, the shininess of the rock, that is not necessarily part of reality. Yeah. Okay. Man. <laughs> I, think, I think we've got it. It is mind-blowing for sure, but at the same time, it's just there's more to reality than we see, but it doesn't mean that there's some great mystery necessarily. I feel like we solved that. The, the mystery doesn't actually exist. It's just there's other parts of the universe we just don't sense and there's nothing to it other than we didn't evolve to sense it that way yeah and well we have great concrete examples of that Mm -hmm. and that is the fact that we when we see things what we're seeing is just a small portion of what there is yeah we see what uh a visible light on the on the spectrum like it's a it's pretty narrow in comparison to the entire spectrum but there are also gamma rays and there are x-rays and there are radio waves and there are all these things that we can't see uh, and detect with our human eyeballs, but we still know they're there because we have built um, machines and systems to allow us to interact with those things like x-ray machines mm-hmm. or radios mm-hmm. that allow you to hear what's happening on those radio waves, but you can't actually see that stuff. So it's it's a good way of illustrating like what you know is just a very small portion of of what there really is out there. Yeah, but also one of the other cool things about it is we know that they're out there and we've learned to like build machines that can detect things that we can't perceive with our senses. Pretty amazing. And Mm -hmm. then we've built more machines to figure out how to interact with those parts of reality that we can't sense. So if you see an image from a James Webb telescope picture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're seeing is there is a radio telescope picture. So the James Webb telescope sees in radio waves. We can't see radio waves, but part of its software converts radio waves into visible light spectrum, which we can see. So for all intents and purposes, when you're looking at a picture of a star that the James Webb telescope took, you're seeing that star in the same mm-hmm. way we would see it if we could see radio waves. Right. So it's not like reality is forever out of our grasp. We are, we're becoming smart enough to learn ways to, to, to sense it in other ways or to convert it into things that we can sense. Yeah. And, you know, this is when I thought of, and it sounds kind of silly, but I, I actually got a, a more, a, a deeper appreciation of the movie Predator. <laughs> right. Yeah. From this, because when I was a kid, I saw it and I was like, oh, that's cool. The predator thing can see uh, heat or thermo whatever. What would it be? Thermo. Thermo hottiness. Properties. <laughs> it can see heat. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. And cool and stuff like that. It can see temperature. Sure. That's probably the there easiest you, way to say There it. you go. <laughs> uh, 
I was trying to be all fancy. Um, which is true. And when your kid is like, oh, cool, that thing can see temperature. But this made me think of it in like a more philosophical way that this thing is so advanced that it has gained a new, maybe not consciousness, but uh, a new ability to see the unseen. Or it evolved in a different type of pressure yeah. that favored being able to see infrared to, so you can see temperature of things. Yeah, exactly. You know, it doesn't necessarily uh, yeah. make it more advanced in the same way that, you know, butterflies can see UV. We can't see UV, but that doesn't necessarily mean the butterfly is more advanced than we are. It's just yeah, it evolved to sense the world <laughs> differently, right? Yeah. It's yeah. as simple as that. It, but it also kind of brings back a certain amount of humility to us that yeah. we like we just can't interact with parts of reality because we didn't evolve that way. And it just kind of, I don't know, it knocks, knocks us down a peg, I think, in my estimation. It kind of reminds us like, hey. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're pretty great. We do a lot of really neat stuff, but we're still animals. Don't forget that part. Yeah. I like that. And then I think to me, Chuck, the fact of the podcast Ooh. is that if you take Hoffman's argument, mm-hmm. there's an answer to that Zen question of if a, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, does it make a sound? The answer is no, it does not make yeah. a sound. And then even further, there's not even a tree if there's no human around <laughs> to see it or hear it. Yeah, man. Oh, boy. I love that. Like this, it's like, you know, it's like Bart Simpson saying, what's the sound of one hand clapping? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, they figured yeah, yeah. it out. I love it. Oh, boy. I tell you what, man. Uh, every time we, and we haven't done these many times, but every time we tackle something philosophical like this, I'm uh, upset for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I always come out the other side, I think, better for it. So Neat. Same here. I'm glad you think of these things because I certainly wouldn't assign these topics. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, what about elephants? <laughs> that was a good one. Remember baby elephants suck their trunk like baby humans suck their thumbs? They have no trunk. Yeah, they do. Trunk Trunks don't exist. <laughs> Man, you keep getting me with that one. I know. <laughs> uh, you got anything else? Uh, no. I don't either. Um, so, since we have nothing else about this, it's time for listener mail. All right, I'm going to call this uh, Smell-O-Vision. This is a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, guys, couldn't help it, but I just finished the Smell-O-Vision episode, and uh, I think you missed a real opportunity there, or they did, rather, by calling it Cinema. Yeah, I saw that. That was a great idea. That was a good one. I uh, love the show, the wide range of topics you cover, the fun jokes and the banter, and even the occasional... Chucker's reference. Uh, obviously, the learning bit, uh, beneficial component is a huge plus, mm-hmm. uh, but I cannot find a term that I heard in one of your previous shows, and I need your help. Uh, essentially, Josh mentioned a term that spoke to humans or any life form will take themselves after a certain period of time. What? Uh, if human if humans don't take ourselves out, I think he meant take ourselves out. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I missed the word. Take themselves out. So, in other words, if humans don't take ourselves out in X term, uh, we will see a greater opportunity for long-term human existence. Mm-hmm. It's driving me crazy. Uh, I hope you have a reply. Uh, do you know what that is? Yeah, I think what they're talking about is um, technological maturity. If we mm. if we make it through what's considered the great filter, which is all like all the ways that we could possibly wipe ourselves out using technology before mm-hmm. we learn to um, use it wisely. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can make it through that, then we'll emerge on, on technological maturity and we'll be basically, we'll just live forever as a species. 
Okay. I bet you that's it. It's got to be. Uh, and he finishes off, uh, my wife is seven months pregnant with our first child. You can spare a moment for a shout out to Stephanie and baby Cora coming in August. Aww. to Make a great birthday present. But Darren, we don't do shout outs <laughs> uh, on the show. We get so many requests for shout outs that we just can't get to them all. So we are certainly not going to shout out uh, Stephanie and your amazing baby Cora that's coming in August. Yeah. We're just not going to mention them. No, not at all. So don't ask. Uh, thanks for all the positivity, joy, and laughter that you spread in the world. It's much needed. Your Floridian friend, uh, Darren Nutting. Very nice, Darren. Thank you. And thank you also to Stephanie and Cora, who we're not going to mention. And if you want to get in touch with us like Darren did, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.